You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday hump day edition of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. We got a couple of things to cover on what's maybe our first slow news day and day to really dive into things that we've had in a couple of months. But there was um, David Griffin talking on Sirius XM Radio on the NBA channel about Drew Holiday. I'm going to tell you what he had to say. Also, forgot to mention this, in the Kawhi Leonard story of him going to the Clippers, the Clippers reached out to the Pelicans about Drew Holiday. So we got to look at that as well. I think both of these things tie together. Then we're going to talk a little bit about Derek Favors coming over from the Utah Jazz and then some of the Pelicans play style next year. What to expect on offense. Favors is tied into this and they're tied in in a very good way. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So David Griffin and Drew Holiday, and we know David Griffin is very high on the Pelicans starting point guard or lead guard, whatever you want to call him, but Drew Holiday, that's who he's high on because he's been saying this since Zion Williamson was drafted, that Zion is not the savior of basketball in New Orleans and that this is Drew Holiday's team. And he really showed that he believed it because when the Clippers were looking for another star to pair alongside Kawhi Leonard, supposedly a guy that Kawhi Leonard would want to play with which is, I think, a cool sign in all of this, where they ended up getting Paul George, they did reach out to the New Orleans Pelicans and inquired about Drew Holiday's availability and were basically told, no, this is David Griffin putting money where his mouth is because they gave up almost more for Paul George than the Lakers did for Anthony Davis. And if they were going to include all of that or most of that for Drew Holiday... Look, as much as I love Drew too, that's a hell of a return. Now, I also probably would have said no to this. Just saying, it makes you think, and it doesn't sound like the Pelicans actually thought about this and basically just shot this idea down right away. Of course, we don't know what they actually offered, but very cool to hear that 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 came out. Also, if that's what was going to take to get Kawhi Leonard to sign with the Clippers, very cool that he was like, I'll play with Drew Holiday. Yeah, if you get that dude, I will come and sign with you. That is a hell of a compliment for Drew Holiday. The, maybe the best player in the league right now was like, yeah, if you get him, I'll come and play. That's awesome. Really good compliment there. And then David Griffin went on Sirius XM Radio talking uh, with their NBA channel there uh, about Drew Holiday and had a lot of really great things to say about him. He's been comparing him a little bit to Steve Nash when Steve Nash made the move from the Dallas Mavericks to the Phoenix Suns. No one expected two MVP seasons from Steve Nash during that run with that Phoenix Suns team, the seven seconds or less. That was partially because he was kind of cast off from the Dallas Mavericks. It was a bit of an afterthought at that point. And he resurrected his career, went on to become a Hall of Famer, basically for his time in Phoenix. And David Griffin sees that being the case here with Drew Holiday. And said when they first sat down, he realized how good Drew Holiday is, and he's challenged him. And he said this in multiple places before, but I don't think he's gone into the same type of 
uh, details on the conversation or give you kind of a sense of what it is. Basically said, I, I went to Drew Holiday and said, you could keep being the most underrated guard in the league, or you can go and show everyone what you're made of and go be an MVP because that's what I believe you're capable of doing. That's a pretty cool thing to hear. And I talked about this on the radio with Gus Cattengill on the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3 yesterday. And I said, sometimes you get that told to you, that is all the motivation you need in the world. When your boss comes into your office and he goes, hey, you are key to this team or you are key to our company doing what we do. We need you. You are awesome. Go kick some more ass. You're fired up. You are. It's true. And that's a really cool thing to say to Drew Holiday and instill that type of confidence. And sometimes the best motivation is just someone really believing in you like that. And that's what I think he's trying to do. And he had a couple of quotes that are just so unbelievably great where it's he just said, you know, sometimes you just need to be told to dominate or to be the MVP and be unleashed. And that's what they're trying to do for Drew Holiday. And this is how highly that he thinks of them. They didn't even listen to those offers from the Los Angeles Clippers when they traded five first round picks two or three pick swaps plus a former lottery pick and Shai Gilgis Alexander, cousin, by the way, of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and didn't even remotely consider any sort of part of that when all of that looks pretty good, to be honest, including some Miami first-round picks. So overall, this is a hell of a statement by David Griffin going, we believe in Drew. And we've seen Drew really lead this team at times. We've seen him be kind of a go-to scorer if need be. He does it kind of reluctantly, doesn't really feel like he needs to do it all that often, and he's looking more to kind of set his teammates up for success. But when Drew goes and wants to go, Dude's really freaking good. So I think we've got um, a lot of potential here for me, almost like a breakout season. Uh, you know, he's made an all-star game one time with Philadelphia that was more due to the absence of John Wall that year. So really, if he makes an all-star game this coming year, it's almost like his first all-star game appearance. So that's a pretty cool thing. Go back to game two against Portland in the sweep that the Pelicans had in the first round. Dude had 33 points in that game, nine assists. That is dominating. He was 14 of 24 from the field. We know he's capable of big, big games. And then go to the closeout game against Portland. Drew put up 41 points along with eight assists. He was 15 of 23 from the field. He got to the line 12 freaking times in that game. That is unreal for Drew Holiday and the type of production. So we know what he's capable of doing and being that dominant guy. And I'm excited to see that playoff Drew potentially unleashed for the entirety of the season. So before we touch on Derek Favors, his role with New Orleans, and how maybe that's going to impact the offense that they're going to run next year, because there is, I think, a little bit of misconception about that offense, I do want to mention you've got to subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. We're here Monday through Friday breaking everything you want to know down about this team. No better way than to keep up to date with your new look Pelicans than the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Wherever you get your podcast from, just hit that subscribe button and please leave a five-star review. 
So Derek Favors, officially a Pelican, the soon-to-be 28-year-old, by the way, in a couple of days, by the, uh, and that's it, his birthday is July 15th, so next Monday, happy early birthday, Derek Favors, officially a Pelican, we are pretty excited about his addition to this team, I think he adds a lot, he's going to be your opening night starting center, that kind of just adds some defense and rim protection, and allows Zion to just play his more natural position of the four. The five spot is his probably natural position given that he's 6'10 and has pretty good weight and that he's more of a rim runner rim protector doesn't really have much of a jump shot or outside shot so he's more naturally at a five but is played out of position because that's also Rudy Gobert's natural position over in Utah and now he can just kind of switch to a spot that he's a little bit better suited for and it should help him defensively too because he doesn't need to stretch out to the perimeter now as much and can really defend back at the rim and just take things away from opponents. But that's not why I'm super excited about him, other than the obvious fit on the court. One, it didn't take much to acquire him, so that's really cool too. But I think one of the most noticeable things is the outpouring of just thank yous and gratitude and just praise coming from former Utah players towards this guy all hailing him as a consummate professional. Joe Ingles said things about him. The Utah Jazz front office said a number of things. A few other players as well really just sung his praises. And it's rare that you see that kind of outpouring of support. So it's very cool to see. And for New Orleans, wanting to bring in a guy who's a good locker room presence, well, it sure as hell sounds like they found that in Derek Favors to be kind of that big that's going to educate Zion Williamson, bring some much-needed professionalism to the team for these young guys as they continue to grow up and evolve and really start their young NBA careers. Now, Favors is on a one-year deal, paying him you know, a little over $19 million or so, but it doesn't sound like this might be a one-year rental for him here in New Orleans, according to the press release. Um, this comes from David Griffin, and the quote is, We are ecstatic to be able to introduce a player and a person of Derek's caliber to our Pelicans family. As a selfless 27-year-old elite rim protector with what we believed it be, with, bleh, sorry with what we believe is untapped offensive potential, he's just entering his prime. We believe he will be a vital piece of our nucleus moving forward. A vital piece of our nucleus moving forward seems to think they'll try and get a new deal done to bring him back into New Orleans after this season. Now, saying that before the year starts, of course, is a little bit much. We've got to see him play. Maybe for some reason things don't go according to plan, but I don't know. And it really seems like this could be a good long-term fit. And it seems like the team is also okay not having another shooting big starting, at least, next to Zion Williamson and that it should be Derek Favors. So what does this mean for the team other than just the off-the-court stuff and the defense that he's going to bring? We know what he does defensively. And 538, which I believe is owned by ESPN now, rolled out a new uh, defensive metric. Now, it's very tough to measure defense in terms of statistics. They have defensive real plus minus, other things like that. I don't trust those as much. I don't particularly like them as much. Defense, honestly, more based on the eye test. But there are some useful numbers out there that can at least help. I haven't had time to dive into their Draymond 
um, metric and how it's computed and all of that. But I'll tell you this, it grades Derek Favors out as like the best defender for his position. So that's cool. Look, even if these things aren't perfect, if they're somewhat flawed, the fact that he comes out number one is still probably a damn good sign for what he can do defensively. So very cool to see him coming out there. And that got me thinking, though. We know about his defensive impact, but what about his offensive impact with the Pelicans? And that's some things we want to look at. And I'm going to give you some of his raw numbers from the NBA.com slash stat site with the player tracking data and how it might fit into what New Orleans is looking to do. And we're obviously going to start in transition. And and I'm going to go into this more in the next segment because transition offense is intriguing because we know the Pelicans are going to run a lot, but just how much? And I'm going to ask a rhetorical, or a, yeah, a rhetorical question for you to think about before we get to that. And I wonder if the number is going to surprise you and let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake if it does. But in transition, Derek Favors was in the 88th percentile, so pretty good. And um, in terms of uh, transition points scored and points per possession, you know, he doesn't have many of them, just 0.7 possessions per game. But overall, it shows that he can at least do this and get out and run. And I think the team is really just looking to get a bunch of dudes who can sprint and can get out and run in transition and they'll find ways for them to score. So that's a pretty good thing to see out of him right there. What about the pick and roll man, which I think is also important because you're going to see a lot of that too from New Orleans. 72nd percentile, so not the best, but you've got also a number of other guys who can be pick and roll man too. Um, And he does that at almost three possessions per game. So those are the two areas where he's obviously going to try and help the most. Putbacks he's very good at. He's a big dude who can kind of handle all of that. So Derek Favors is coming in and can do a number of really good things offensively for this team we've seen. So we're going to then move into the next segment because I think you'll see all of his strength kind of amplified with what the Pelicans want to do offensively next year. So before we get to that, I want to ask you a question. And take a moment to think about it. Pause the podcast if you really need to. We all know the Pelicans are going to run next season. How much do you think they're going to run? And base it off of how much you think they ran last year. So take a total 100% of their offense. What percentage of that was in transition last year? 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 65? Kind of ballpark it somewhere there. It's not above 65%, I'll tell you that. And think about what that number is. And when we come back in a minute, I'll tell you what that number was. I'm curious, just for my own understanding of things and what people think you're going to see from this team next year, and this can help shape some of the discussions we'll have about their offense, if that number is higher or lower than what you were thinking originally it was going to be. So before I give you the answer, don't forget, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast here Monday through Friday for you. You're excited about the Pelicans. Your friends are excited about the Pelicans. So share the podcast with them. Get them clued into what's going on with this team. No better time than to jump aboard this hype train than right now. And they can do that by listening to the Locked On Pelicans podcast to stay up to date with everything. We're here Monday through Friday with you all. No one else coming to you quite like this. So subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So I ask you the question, what percent of the Pelicans offense was in transition last year? They're a fast team, right? This should be very, very high. Well, maybe not as much as you would think. The Pelicans were ninth. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Sorry, eighth best in transition last year in terms of percentage of their offense. It was eighth most that they ran, but it was just 17.9% of their offense last season. 
did they score in transition? And this is according to the NBA.com slash stat site under the player under the tracking data. This is not perfect. This is how plays end. So say they miss a dunk in transition and then someone grabs it and puts it right back in. That won't count in transition. It'll count as a putback. But it still gives us a pretty good idea of them scoring in transition. Now, if they ran in transition and all of a sudden the other team defended it really well, it's not going to count towards this data either. So again, you've got to keep all of that in mind when really trying to look at some of these stats, but they probably didn't play in transition as much as you might be thinking, given how often we talk about them being a really fast team. So what team played the most in transition and what was the percentage of their offense that did it? This may not surprise you that the team was the Milwaukee Bucks, but they only played in transition 21.5% of the time. So basically 80% of Milwaukee's offense came from other opportunities than being in transition. Not an exact number because of the limitations I just said with some of these things, but teams for the most part are not really spending more than a third of their time, or sorry, a fifth of their time in transition. Maybe the Pels play lightning fast this year. They maybe jump from 17.9% to maybe 25%. 75% of their offense is still going to need to come from elsewhere. So keep that in mind when people talk about this team being really fast. It's still not the majority of it. Go back a year before with the the sweep of the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. They ran in transition 17.4% of the time. And they were fast for especially a big stretch last uh, two years ago when DeMarcus Cousins went down. And they were fast with him. So keep that in mind because I think it's a pretty intriguing thing and maybe not the number that you were expecting to hear. But this is actually somewhat encouraging to me. So first, the Pelicans were not good in transition. They did it a lot, and it's still a higher percentage play and a more efficient shot than maybe doing multiple post-ups, even if you're not good at transition. And I wrote about this two years ago. One of the reasons their offense was so was ranked so highly there in terms of points per game and some of the other numbers was they just ran in transition for a stretch more, though, more so than anyone else and were making it up in volume, not necessarily efficiency. The Pelicans in transition scored 1.02 points per possession. Points per possession, 1.02. The Toronto Raptors led the league with 1.19. That's a significant difference when you're playing 20% of your offense and all of a sudden there's another team that's scoring about 17% more than you at it. It puts the Pelicans actually as the second worst team in terms of points per possession. If you want to look at it in percentile, it's the 3.4th percentile of things. That's bad. They do a ton of it, so it makes their offense look better, but the efficiency is definitely not there from them necessarily. But that's why I'm excited about Derek Favors, because he brings two things to the team that this team is not particularly great at. So we said he's good in transition. He ranked in the 88th percentile. That's awesome because the Pelicans really need that. Derek Favors last season, 1.33 points per possession in transition. That is higher than anyone on the Pelicans from last year. Jaleel Okafor in transition led the team with 1.27 points per possession. Christian Wood was second, 1.26 points per possession. Diallo was third, 1.23. Anthony Davis was 1.15. Now, it's on more volume than Derek Favors is, but here's the thing, and this is why I think the Pelicans are saying they see untapped offensive potential in him. You put him in a fast system and he's kind of shown that he's pretty decent at this and you just give him more opportunities, his offensive game is going to go through the roof. It'll help the Pelicans offense significantly with their efficiency. This is a good thing to see and one of the reasons why a lot of people are really excited about the offensive game that Derek Favors can bring. 
1.33 is damn good and again better than anyone on the team last year. But he's also good as the pick and roll man, ranking in the 72nd percentile. So good, not amazing certainly, but still pretty good overall. The Pelicans were 1.14 um, in terms of the roll man last year and they ranked right around where Derek Favors is um, in the 72nd percentile. So Derek Favors were kind of pretty much right there with them. That's good, but the Pelicans didn't do that nearly as much as maybe they could have. 5.5% of their offense ended with the pick-and-roll man getting the ball. The Indiana Pacers led the league with 10.1. New Orleans, where are they, are down towards, they're in the bottom eight of that. So this is only going to go up, and you also have Zion Williamson, who they clearly want to use in the pick-and-roll a lot, and adding another pick-and-roll partner with him where he can be the ball handler too, and Derek Favors can be the roll man, is going to be a lot of fun to watch and make it very difficult for teams to defend. So you're getting a guy that really fits the two areas that the Pelicans are going to want to run. And the half court game is going to be important because again, it looks like 75% or so of their offense is really going to come in that. Now that can be mitigated some and they can still kind of play their early fast style by taking shots early in the shot clock, even though they're not in transition, not in the fast break and before defenses are really set. So there's some of that too. So um, Schmidt Dua of Bourbon Street Shots has been doing a good job of seeing who excels at early offense. Derek Favors is one of those guys too. And that's the other side that goes hand in hand with this. So their half-court offense isn't a traditional half-court offense necessarily, like that slow plotting style. They're still doing quick actions to get a shot off early on before the defense truly gets set, but you're still playing in the half court more than you are in transition, and you're not just getting fast break after fast break after fast break. So it's important to kind of keep that in mind that you're still kind of running a set offense too, and it's more than 50%, more than 60, 70% of your offense, but Derek Favors just going to slot right on in here in New Orleans with what he does and the skill set he brings to the table. We know how good he is defensively, but the Pelicans said untapped offensive potential. Based off looking at some of the numbers, watching some of the film on him in transition, yeah, I can definitely see it. And just another reason to get excited about this Pelican season next year. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review. And by the way, make sure you stay tuned for the rest of the week. I've got a guest coming on, first time with me, but he's been on the podcast before. I'll let you guys know who that is coming up shortly. And I'm excited to get a big recap from NBA Summer League and the Pelicans Summer League. So thank you all for listening again. As always, I'm Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. and will be back with you all tomorrow. 